Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. On this last Sunday after the Epiphany, we always hear the reading of this account of the Transfiguration. And as we get to this final day moving through the Sundays after Epiphany, there are a couple of key events that happened um, in the Gospel narrative that are sort of uh, signposts for us along the way. Uh, three really big revealing of who Jesus is. And, and these are the revealings that happen, of course, before he is crucified and rises from the dead. And the season of Epiphany begins with the arrival of the Magi and their recognition that this child who has been born is the Messiah. Then the Sunday after that, we heard the account of the baptism of Jesus. That time when Jesus begins his public ministry and the voice from heaven comes down, uh, the Spirit descends upon him, and we hear the Father say, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then we have the last Sunday after Epiphany where we hear this encounter of the Transfiguration. And certainly we know that the ultimate uh, revealing that Jesus is who he says he is happens when he rises from the dead, conquering sin and death forever, and then ascends back to the side of the Father and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. But these big events happen in preparation for that, to give the disciples uh, something to hang on to even though they don't always understand fully what's going on. And when we see this encounter, uh, we're told six days later, Jesus takes with him Peter and James and John. And right from the onset, uh, we should start to hear that number should ring some bells in our minds. And we say, well, six days later, and now uh, we have this event. Well, six days is the creation narrative, and then God rests. And all of creation rests in the presence of God. And now you have another big event that's happening in that light. Six days later, this event happens. And Jesus takes them up a mountain, Again, that should raise some images for us and say, well, this has happened before. Moses goes up the mountain and God reveals himself to Moses. The law is delivered. There are several other encounters throughout Scripture where going up the mountain has led to the revealing of God's presence. And none of these uh, details are really insignificant to this encounter. We're supposed to make the connection with all of those other events. And Jesus takes with him a small group, just those three. 
doesn't take everybody with him, but he takes those three to witness to the rest of us. And what happens is Jesus is transfigured before them. And there appears Moses and Elijah. And Peter's counter is say, well, let's stay here. Not really fully understanding what to do with what he has seen. And then a voice comes from the cloud and says, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And we're meant to hear that and say, Well, we've heard that before at his baptism. And we have to remember that what's happening here is not for Jesus' benefit. Jesus knows who he is, but it's for the benefit of the disciples and for us who are reminded in these encounters that because Jesus is who he says he is, then what he said he would do, we can take confidence in. That's really why we have these encounters are meant to strengthen our faith that we can trust who Jesus is and because we can trust who he is, we can trust what he's done. Which is the whole point of what Peter's trying to say in his letter. As he says, well, we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is super critical because we don't gather here on Sundays just to hear a fairy tale of a time long, long ago where we tell you a fable to try to make us feel good and get through the week. That's not why we're here. Um, and, and if that were the case, there's probably a lot of other things we could do on Sunday morning than to gather here. But we gather here because we're confident that Jesus is who he says he is. And because of that, I can take confidence in the fact that Jesus gave himself for me. And that because Jesus overcame sin and death forever, so can I. And because of who Jesus is, we who are seated here now have already started to live in the fullness of our inheritance, to dwell with God forever. That God's promise is the Holy Spirit has been poured into us and God says you will not walk by yourself at any time. I will be with you. And I will come again and you will be raised to dwell with me in the perfect creation as everything is set right. That's the certainty on which we stand right now. And that should make a difference in the rest of our lives because then as we go through life, on our greatest day, that stands true. We live in God's promise. And on the worst day, that's true. And I think we need to hear it even more on our worst day. That whatever we're facing, on the worst day of our life, what's, what's the worst that the world can throw at us? Uh, well, we die. Well, even then, Jesus' victory has been won. And because he's won the victory, so have we. And even in death, we inherit life. And we dwell with God forever. And so now that certainly doesn't negate the hard things that we go through. It doesn't take away the pain. But it does put it in perspective to say no matter what we face, 
We're already victorious. It's not a question mark that God said, well, go through life, do your best, and we'll grade the paper at the end and maybe you stand a chance at coming into my presence. If that were the case, we should go through each day with fear and trepidation. But the message of the gospel is, God has done this for us, we've said yes, and now the Holy Spirit has been poured upon us. And no matter what we face, God walks with us, and on the last day, we will be raised up to dwell with Christ forever in the perfect creation, where there's no sin or death or crying or mourning, but we will just joyfully live with God forever. And the great news is we get to start that journey now. It's not something that we get way down the road. God says, this is who you are right now. Stand in that victory and live with me now in the eternal life that's been won for us through Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Most loving and gracious Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for the victory that is ours in Christ and the new life that has been won for us. May the Holy Spirit teach us day by day what it means that Jesus is who he says he is. May it teach us day by day more and more what's been done for us. And may we live in that reality here and now. Draw us more and more into your presence, that our lives would be lived to your honor and glory, and that we would be changed into your image and likeness. And we make this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.